0: The following Dharma talk was given by Jodi Hojin Kimmel at the Zen Center of New York City. Hojin Sensei is the abbot of the Zen Center and head priest at Zen Mountain Monastery. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org slash zcnyc. Thanks for listening. This is a story or a koan from the hidden lamp. Stories from awakened women through the centuries. Ling Zhao's helping. This is from 8th century China. Here's the story for you to sit with. One day, layman Pong and his daughter, Ling Zhao, were selling bamboo baskets. Coming down off a bridge, the layman stumbled and fell. And when Ling Zhao saw this, she ran to her father's side and threw herself to the ground. What are you doing? cried the layman. I saw you fall, so I'm helping, replied Ling Zhao. Luckily, no one was looking, remarked her father. So let me say it again, so you can get the story in you. So this is a father and daughter, Lingjiao Pong, and her father, Mr. Pong. <laughs> and um, they, together they sell bamboo baskets. So they're coming down, they're selling their basket, and they're coming down off a bridge. And the layman stumbles and falls. And his daughter, when she saw this, just threw herself, round to her father, threw herself to the ground. What are you doing? He cried. I saw you fall, so I'm helping, she replied. Luckily, no one was looking, replied the layman. So with koans, these are, um, these are stories or situations where we try and see what's the reality, the non-dual reality being presented. To me, this poem brings up, how do we fall with someone? How do we fall with someone? What does helping mean? <laughs> what does helping mean? Um, last week I spoke of my uh, Dharma brother Yukon who was um, coming to the end of his life. And that's even more truer this week. He's definitely entered the dying process. Um, so I'm going to go up there after this service and be with my him and my Dharma family up there. I know this impacts many people who know him. And those of you that don't, I would encourage you to watch this Vimeo called... Um, Yukon in the garden, and that will tell you a lot about this monastic and his heart, his gigantic beating heart that fall, knows how to fall with us. And we have learned to fall with him in this process and be very messy of controls, people controlling what, they, what we think should happen, what is happening. So it's not easy. Um, We had to practice our opinions and our fears and all our grasping together so we can bring it together with him. And since we're all practicing, it was quite beautiful to encounter that with one another and, and call each other in on what was happening. It was very helpful. So let me tell you a little about this uh, Pong family. They were an enlightened family. They all practice. We have a few of those in the Sangha where it's like parents and the children are all practitioners. So this is a uh, practicing family and they were all Zen adepts, all enlightened in China in the 8th century. And um, it's said that they lived very modestly. In fact, the story goes that they took all their possessions and they put it in a rowboat, and Mr. Pong rowed to the center of a lake and dumped it all in the middle of the lake. <laughs> Perhaps they should go back there now and see retrieve the, the Pong possessions, but they were all very deeply committed to the Buddha way, um, to each other. They are full of humor. In, in many of their encounters, they really have a fun with each other, playing with like, you know, the nature of reality and where one is and trying to pull the rug out from the other one. And their insights, they sharpen each other. And um, during their lifetime, there was kind of a revolution in Chan practice where it wasn't just the monastics that could have an enlightened life, but somebody who was a householder with a family could very much practice and, and become realized and it wasn't just for men, it was for all beings. So that was a bit revolutionary at that time, that kind of thinking. So there's Mr. and Mrs. They had a son. We don't know a lot about the son. Uh, the only thing I could find is he worked in the, in the uh, fields <laughs> and harvested vegetables, so that's a big, big, big part of being in a family. Um, but they didn't say much about his enlightenment experience, or he wasn't in many encounters. So, but Ling Jiao was the three of them, mostly. And her name means shining spirit. And um, But was a Zen adept, as I said, in her own right. And we chanted her name this morning in the list of ancestors for women. Ling Jiao Pang Daishi means lay teacher. And when the um, Buddha was alive, there was rules made for people living together, right? So anytime you get um, people together, things happen. (laughs) And so rules are made, like, we're not going to do this, so we can live in harmony. And um, so... Several decades after the Buddha's death, there was a council of monastics who got together to determine further. After the Buddha died, what other rules do we need to keep going um, to live together? And like, what are we gonna? What do we choose to eat? Okay, Um, what do we wear? What will our diet be? Should we handle money? How about relationships? What do we do with relationships? And um, what are the important practices to continue? And it turned out to be like a list of like a 100 rules, which is called the Vinaya. And we still have, uh, here we have the Karenji Code, ways that we, rules that we follow to live in harmony and how to treat one another. And we have one at the monastery, the Doshinji Code. And, um, of course, when a group of people meet, there's always people that didn't get the memo, <laughs> weren't at the meeting. So about a century later, they had another second council meeting. But at this one, there was a lot more different people that were asked to come. Householders, artists, merchants, people like you and me were at that meeting, as well as monastics and, and, and nuns. And at the second council was presented a more developed presentation of a spirit and practice called bodhisattva practice. It's not like it wasn't there in in the Buddha's time, but it became more developed. And the idea of the bodhisattva practice, bodhi means to awaken, and sattva is a being who is awakening other beings and a being who is awakened by other beings goes both ways. And the premise of the bodhisattva practice is if all of us, all of us, nobody left out of that all, are deeply interconnected, deeply drenched in one another, then how can we be free if other people are in prison are suffering have wounds they're still healing belong don't belong or discriminated against how can we be free if we're so drenched with one another and 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 together in that, how can we be free if everyone comes along? It's almost like we're on this path to freedom and we get to this door and we're holding onto the doorknob, ready to open the door. And we look back and we're like, oh, there's all these people. I can't go. I can't go. But I think we forget about others, especially if we're suffering greatly. We forget about others and that it's happening together so we forget that vow so ling jiao pong and her dad pong were committed to bodhisattva practice and made this vow to include other people and um, mr pong and his daughter were said to be inseparable so they did in fact, in every koan, sometimes the mother's there, but it's usually these two going at it with each other, the father and the daughter. They love being together. So we can imagine them um, being together, making these baskets, and then going to the market, selling them. During the week, they would make them, and then on the weekdays, like many of us artisans do, we go to a market to sell them. And they're on their way, and the father falls. And she leaps and lands right next to him, right down there on the ground with him. Now, whether this is a literal literal story, doesn't matter. If it's a metaphor, doesn't matter. The point is that she responds unflinchingly with kindness, Kindness is clear, it's unhesitating, completely without self-concern. She responds without needing a badge, a medal. She responds creatively to what's happening. And it's also kind of funny, this response, that she runs to the ground and lays down next to him. What are you doing? I'm helping. I saw you fall. I'm helping. And oddly, or perhaps not so oddly, I was working on this this week, and um, the doorbell rang, and upstairs in my room was hot, but as I was coming down, I felt cold, and I wanted my hat, because I was a service person was coming. Union was there with me. And I turned and did things too quickly, and my top of my sandal got stuck on the top step, and I fell. And Yunnan's kind of like, like, which is the door. I was like, go, go, go get the door because I hit the funny bone on my knee. You know. And my mom used to say, dance, 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 dance. But I couldn't dance. I was just like, oh, and I was on the ground. And I was just like, oh my god. You know. And then I look up and two of the cats are there just right on my level. <laughs> just like and I just felt so good they were just right there and I was just like oh you too I was just right there at my level it just was so reassuring and then of course you came back up you okay Um, so if you see me like using my hands a lot today I'm nursing this knee but on the other side of the story what do you see about her father he takes it in right He receives it. He receives her help. And then what do you think about him saying, um, luckily no one was looking. Luckily no one was looking. At first I thought, maybe he was a little embarrassed. That's what happened to me. But then it's... To say it's a good thing no one was looking, it gives a little tilt to the story because this is where we have to sit and, th- and not go to just like, oh, he's embarrassed and just like brushing it off, like, oh, good thing no one was looking. <laughs> but maybe he's showing he's not worried about some third person watching this event happen that he's not monitoring, he's not distancing from this interaction. The one who unfor- unfortunately isn't watching is him. He's right there. It's good. Luckily, no one was watching. I'm not stepping back. So we could see it in different ways. I remember Trumpa Rinpoche once said, we are rarely alone, even when we're alone, someone's watching. So we sometimes some someone watching inside of us, everything we do, right? How potentially generous it is when no one's watching, not keeping score, what we're doing, no one is looking and how is it when we take someone's support and for me when i'm able to do that when someone i take someone's support it it changes my my world it changes how i view the world it changes how i view myself when i can accept support because this thing happens that I think when we fall down, we're immediately at odds with ourselves. Ever notice? And when we're at odds with ourselves, it's hard to see another's help or support, let alone ask for it and receive it. I also like the story because it's not about an individual having an awakened experience, it's a story about a relational enlightenment. It's about, they're waking up each other. They're doing it together. And we see this in families. My teacher, Dido used to say, when one person in the family is practicing, the whole family's practicing, but they don't know it. But you're practicing your interaction with your family or your friends. And so everyone's practicing in that moment. Everyone is waking everyone else up. So we don't tend to think of our families in that way. But I, I reflected, yes, it, it does happen. So there may be one person in our family who inspires us or who we idealize. But really, every member of our family has woken us up, is waking us up, whatever we call family, whatever it may look like. It could be this community family, the people who have healed us, the people who have hurt us, the people we can easily forgive, the people we can't forgive, they're all offering us something all the time, and we are always waking up together. We can see that way as practitioners. We can have that kind of wide view. It's so helpful. If we can remember that every reaction we have, we, can, we bring to our path. Every interaction we have, we bring to the path. So Ling Jiao Pang jumps and comes to the same level as her dad. Have you ever been introduced to a kid at a party or at someone's house? and you go to shake their hand and maybe say, hi, what's your name? Well, if you're standing up and you do that, they sort of don't want to talk and they kind of don't want to give you their hand. But have you ever gotten down to their level? You kneel down their eye level to see if there's a connection. That's just little us. What, do you, what would you want to happen? Somebody up there saying, Hi, what's your name? You know, no, come down here. (laughs) Maybe I'm tiny, so I always felt like I didn't have to go down too far. I was always right there. But we get intimate with ourselves again, this little one. And then, in my experience, they will follow you for the rest of the time you are with them. Um, The other day, my friend sent me a little video of um, she was visiting her grandson, who's just beginning to walk. And you know how you kind of surf along the sofa, and then you launch. The kid launches, right? They go off the sofa, and they start, remember those first steps? Coming into the middle of the room, and then boom, down, right? And on the video, she was right there And she would just fall right down with the kid, smiling and giggling, and they'd both be on the floor laughing um, until the kid wanted to get up and try again. And she, she just did it, right? I watched. She just let herself fall without thinking about it, just laughing and giggling right there along with it. And then the little kid tried to get up again she didn't plan it up out it was just automatic and it also made me think of the number of times with family and friends who have fallen how many times i offered advice <laughs> how many times i tried to fix or worse judge them for what they were feeling out of my discomfort my uncertainty Preservation, protection, come by it honestly, and feeling that at odds with myself. And then the shift at, po- at some point to just fall, fall together, just fall together. What a relief. It changes the world. What is our immediate response? What can we learn from our reactions? I have a story here. I'm going to hold off on it. It's a little powerful. but Well, in Dharma practice, we have this term non-duality. We hear a lot. Once again, I've seen it on teabag tags. Um, so I think it's gotten a bit skewed and... Um, from both new age thinking and from even from some academics who don't really understand non-duality but explain it. So compassionate action when it really is is non-dual action, not separate. Wholehearted activity. When we move and act with our whole being, our wholeheartedness is in the intention of the activity. That's my understanding. And it's impermanent. So it doesn't guarantee that it'll work. And if it doesn't work, then we try something else. The point is that we're just fully in the activity of responding. Ling Zhao sees her father falling, and he says, and she says, what are you he says? What are you doing?" And she says, "I saw you fall. Fully present in her experience. There isn't one, another one of you having the experience. I saw you fall. Down she goes. So it brings us to what's most intimate. That at the heart of every situation in our life, we try not to depart. We try not to step back. Whatever it is. Her Action obliterates the idea that there is a helper and someone to be helped. I remember Shugan Roshi asking me once in Dyson, we were talking about a precept, and he said, do you ever know if you're helping someone? And I I was sort of stopped by that question. I was ready to say, like, oh, yeah, and I was just like, do I ever know if I'm really helping someone? I had to stop for a moment. According to one translator, a commenter on this, usually the most intimate response to another's difficulty begins with the willingness not to flee. Fleeing can take the form of abandoning this situation, and it can also mean escaping into helping, into a whole constellation of ideas about what ought to happen. Intimacy is being willing to stay, and accompany, and listen to be vulnerable, and surprised, and flexible, is a willingness to fall with someone else and see what becomes possible when we do. At another level, Ling Jiao's gesture suggests that we we are all falling together, lifetime after lifetime, through the universe. Right now we are falling through this world which holds out an invitation to us. Come, see what life is like here. We find that it's made of flame and water, wind and earth, sorrow and beauty, love and fear, light and dark, and everything in between. As we fall, if we pick and choose, instead of accepting all of life as it offers us, we are in some way refusing the invitation. If we say to life in this world, I'll take your sunset but leave your diseases, we're being stingy in a way that hurts ourselves most of all. So we seem to forget there's a connection with us in every moment. And sitting down in zazen, as you just learned, some of you, so, so intimate, so intimate, it is going down with ourselves. And we begin to notice all kinds of abstractions and ideas, concepts that cover, that consciously and unconsciously, that cover that we are actually intimate all the time but something covers that intimacy. But that is who we are. We are intimate beings. That's the basis. And most, I want to emphasize, most of the time it's unconscious until it's not. And in my experience within practice and training, with mindfulness, we're learning to open that space. To keep come, so you, a thought comes, a separation, and we learn to release that and come back to our breath. Release the discriminating, release the dis- standing back, release the witness, and just be with that breath. And that's the intimacy that's always there. We touch it, we close the gap. It may just be for a second in the beginning, because we're thinking about a lot, and we're very self-conscious in our practice, but sometimes there's a gap. That's the intimacy. We forget ourself for just a bit, and then that grows, and we begin to see more clearly the illusory nature of thought, that it's not a real thing, it's happening, but it's illusory. And that helps us release it. And it's imperfect, the accord with our karma, the seeds within us that rise and fall and rise and fall, and we think them up. But we just, we're seeing that. We're not stopping that. We're just not grasping, not catching on. And when we catch on, we see that, and we release again. And so that an in intimacy with our life grows And very early in practice, you might say, oh my God, I feel so much better. (laughs) Like our suffering starts to, we become intimate with just our feeling, how we feel at the moment, without judging, without stepping back. And that feels so good, right? And that just deepens and grows. And then we practice that into movement, into kinhin, into walking, So intimacy and awakening are the very same thing, twins, synonyms. It's not something we're trying to create or pull out of a situation or pull out of a relationship or achieve in a relationship. It's already here. It's the ground of our being before we start splitting everything up. But it's okay we just that's what we see and it's it's like yay yay for practice <laughs> that we can pr- practice that and see its falseness and the way we recover this is to not abandon the situation we're in not abandon ourselves in in whatever we're in don't don't abandon yourself to practice not separating from ourself in changing conditions. Because we're moving. We're unfixed. I um, have another, all of us fall, but this one was particularly uh, quite a fall. I was in a session. It was hot. It was July. And I was working on something with my teacher, a koan, and I just couldn't see it. And I was getting really, I was starting to take it personally. Like, he's got a vendetta for me or something. I just couldn't see this. I was getting so upset. I was crying. I was, like, ready to quit. Where's the front gate? I'm out of here. I was, like, just beyond. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go to my room. I'm not coming down next period. And I went trucking out with my backpack on. And before I knew it, I was on the ground, just fell. Like, it was literally, it felt like a leg came out and tripped me intentionally. I I don't even know how I fell. I mean, I had dirt in my mouth because my hands were holding my backpack and I didn't even put my hands down. So my face went right in. Luckily, it was like Pete Mossy. (laughs) I was like, you know, it was all. And the first thing I thought was, I popped my head up and I was like, who saw me? (laughs) I was I was like I hope nobody saw this and uh, yeah and so then I I I then all of a sudden I was like I fell into the situation and I started to weep oh my god I was started to weep so hard and just was like on the ground just like you know it's July I've got now peat moss in my tears all over my face And then that turned into hysteria. I started laughing so hard that I fell with my hands on my backpack and then I had, I just felt like suddenly it was hysterical. And so now I'm I'm hysterical and I'm still laying there and I'm like (sighs) catching my breath and I look up and I see the rim of a pot. And now I'm interested in this all of a sudden. And I take my finger and I'm like pulling it and it's like it's not coming up so fast. So now I got a stick and I'm like getting the dirt out and I'm going around this rim. And I pull out a whole cup, a whole pink cup, which has a decal of the monastery and it says Camp Wapanachi. So it's a cup from what used to be the camp before it was the monastery that I found while I fell. So moral of the story, if you fall down, don't get up so quick. <laughs> Look around. There might be some good things to find while you're... Da- we always just like, that didn't happen. I didn't fall. But take your time. Take your time down there. Look around. Ease into it. It's Okay. So, the gap closed. The bodhisattva realizes there is no path. The path is just to keep training and practicing because we don't know where we'll be called to serve. And this motivates a bodhisattva, right? Because it's exciting to get up in the morning. How will I serve today? I don't know. I don't I have no idea. I have no idea what I will do. It's like when we have a friend in the hospital and we're called to come right away, like my sister wrote me and said, come right away. And sometimes we get a little nervous or a lot nervous. We might not know what to do when we get there or what to say, because we don't know what it is. I'm sure many of us have been through this experience. But you just show up. You just go. And you see what's needed. And so through the Bodhisattva lens, this um, caring first is self-care. That when you feel that movement to do that care, that is you caring for yourself, actually. You'll feel that exchange. So we do all we can do and just try not to make things worse. (laughs) I was talking to someone about this. If that's one takeaway today, perhaps it's to take a vow to not make things worse. (laughs) And you might think, wow, that's really setting the bar pretty low. (laughs) But I encourage you to try it for one week. Don't make anything worse anywhere for one week. See how that goes. <laughs> so practice is a is a refuge. It, it's a path. It's important to have a path. It doesn't have to be Zen, but that you have a path in your life, a place to come home to, not as a place of time off, but a, a place to calm down, collect yourself, Experience how to transform reactivity, truly. How do you transform it? Not say it's not happening, but actually don't abandon it. It's so good. It's your gold. The reaction? Beautiful. What do, what do we believe is true? How can we transform that? It's hard. It feels awful. We want to be righteous. We want to win Don't make things worse for you or for anyone. And if we can ex- transform reactivity, we will be a different friend, a different partner, a different child, a different parent. But we ha- we know there ha- it's happening. Triggers abound, If let's use that word, okay? It's like everywhere, so forget about that. Like nothing's going to give a re- us a reaction. But... What do we do with that? How do we serve with what's happening? How do we help ourselves in that moment? That's what we have to learn to do and draw on the goodness, on the calm and the clarity that we can have as practitioners. So people are falling down, are going to fall down. And falling down is not an abstract idea. It's like looking out the window at a distance, you're gonna see it right out as soon as you walk out and leave here. Maybe happen to you, and I know I need to crack out of my views all the time of how I think things are, how I think things are going or need or should be, or I can't wait until I'm over something to help right We can't wait until we're like. No, I can't, because i'm I'm still I'm still feeling my wounds. No, that's actually the connection. That's the connector. because if it's the bridge, it's the gate, because if I can't accept that in myself, that I'm not all cleaned up, then I'm going to expect somebody else's over there, alcoholism, addiction, whatever. Before I, t- I go near them, so we have to leave that internal fantasy go that we have to be all together as something, get over something. That's not falling down with somebody. We or anyone shouldn't have to be afraid to be queer, to be Muslim, to be Jewish to be gay, to be anybody. And as spiritual practitioners, we have something. We have practice to stabilize our ship, to stabilize our boat. We can't control the waters, but we can stabilize our ship. We need to support a lot of people now who are losing support. And we, we, if you find your own way, it could just be in your, in your own stability and who you touch. We can, t- we can see and appreciate how we were born into this lifetime. What, what things do we have? Education, privileges, abilities, accesses that we can sit in a room like this and turn around so peacefully in stillness and silence. So how can we use that as support? And we can't have a picture of it. First we see what's arising in our mind and practice and stabilize our ship. Then practice mindfulness of breathing. No I am breathing in, I am breathing out. Sometimes when I'm like, that's my go-to when I'm in an unstable situation. I am breathing in, I am breathing out. As it's, I don't abandon. I'm just like, I am breathing in, in my time. I'm breathing in, I am breathing out. Freeing the thoughts, making space with our vast nature. We can practice knowing when to be with others and when not to. When to listen, how to listen. Feel what it's like to have an open heart. Feel what it's like when we're closing down. We can do this. This is all important practices, this knowing about ourselves. That's how we support and help. No, we don't need to know. So I chose this story because it's about falling down together. It's not a somebody who's a heroic up the mountain looking down, more embodied. It's not a a different. It's not a not a separate way of being together. And then we can take this in the world. Um, Roshi Joan Halifax defines compassion as coming alongside, coming alongside, like Ling Zhao. That's what she does. She just comes alongside her father. We can keep offering this bodhisattva spirit, and we can chant and may take a vow. Sentient beings are numberless. We're going to serve them. And then we spend the rest of our life Leaning in and learning what that is. <laughs> how does that happen? Sentient beings are numberless. I vow to serve them. Okay. And the rest of my life, just leaning into that inquiry. We can learn how to love people. We can learn how to love ourselves, including our enemies, and appreciate we don't know what we'll do in the future that we not get stuck on an idea of what a bodhisattva's work will look like. It's not one thing. We can't hold a posture. We have no idea. And Daito used to say, if you want to save someone, you have to be prepared to be saved yourself. Pang's daughter falls down next to her father. She doesn't fix the situation. She helps him fall. She falls right next to him. All of Yukon's caretakers and all of us as Sangha are falling with him, right next to him. This is how it is. We fall down together. Falling shows us something. Falling shows us Life is uncertain, unknowable, unpredictable, as Ling Zhao pong helps her father fall as she falls with him, there is no fixing, there's an intimate fall, they're falling into awakening, right, into the flow of life together, lame and Pong and his daughter Ling Zhao were out selling bamboo baskets. Coming down off a bridge, the layman stumbled and fell. When Ling Zhao saw him, she ran over to her father's side and threw herself to the ground. What are you doing? cried her father. Ling Zhao replied, I saw you falling, I saw you fall, so I'm helping. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about the Zen Center of New York City's programs, retreats and residency, please visit our website at zmm.org slash zcnyc.